Thanks for tuning in to Jin and Tantra. In this episode, we tackle what we see as a problem with Jesus, mainly not enough of them. We also discuss metaphysical beliefs and abilities, indigo children, emanations of enlightenment, and a practical Tantra. I wanted to share a quote that I believe goes well with this episode. It's by Alan Cohen. It says, Personal growth is not a matter of learning new information, but of unlearning old habits. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Jen and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by, and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail. Your spirit has been longing for. I want you to get together. Now, isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. April, June, tears, G and tears, those of us who like our spirituality with a twist. Okay, so um, we've been doing this little series of episodes inspired by Jung's answer to Job, kind of talking about it, but also using it as kind of a starting off point to talk about other things related to it and interesting, uh, kind of uh, inspired by it. And uh, this one is, we knew we, knew we were going to put the capper and really talking about JC, Jesus Christ. And how Jung thinks about what he symbolizes, but um, it occurred. I thought I thought this would be interesting for you, Daniel. And it occurred to me to think, well, maybe it's important even before we talk about what you know uh, JC would symbolize that we would go through and really talk about. I guess for my, I was doing the show notes for this one, so writing the episode kind of like what you might call like the JC problem, right? Which is partially like a good thing to have JC because it's Judeo-Christian and, uh, you know, Jesus Christ both. So it covers both the whole thing. And um, and I, this episode ended up being really interesting for me to think about because I, you know, I wanted to talk about this, like more of the sociocultural aspects, which I know is really fascinating to you, Daniel. Mm -hmm. But also the idea of um, some of our more personal reactions. And it wound up being extremely thought provoking for me. To go through and think about my own relationship to this so maybe we thought we'd try to divide up a little bit the jc problem and talk about it maybe a little sociocultural mm -hmm. and then maybe look at a little bit more from the personal side um and i don't know just these episodes that just kind of sometimes explode for me i think was the word i that popped into my head where they stop start off as one thing and then you realize bang they kind of launch themselves to like another level onto something else in my mind and i think that did this for me i started really reflecting back of like my own relationship with Christianity and specifically like my, I guess what I would call my breakup with it. So I guess those would be, those would be the goals of talking about this, the episode. And I'm interested to hear about yeah stuff with this too. Cause I don't think we've talked about, we, this has been a subject matter, but I don't think we've really talked about it like dead on in this way. Yeah. It's come up at, at particular points. We've shared anecdotal things, um, stories, you know, but I don't think in one sort of particular thread, if you will. Yeah. Or maybe like, I think the problem of like, like the, the, these, you know, the the big three religions has come up in different ways, but maybe not where we're going to look at it like so direct or something. 
Yeah. So it's weird enough because we're recording this, and this will probably end up being our Christmas episode. <laughs> Merry probably. Christmas. Yeah, or yeah, be close close to it. Close to our Christmas episode. So okay, good times. Merry Christmas. Here it is. Yeah, last year we did uh Mary Kay came on and we did one for Yule, actually, on the Yule. That was nice. Uh -huh. yeah. 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 I wasn't able to make that one, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not not uh, so Yule today. Yeah, this isn't as Yule-ish. But that's a little bit more uh Wiccan pagan anyway. So talk about yes. Yule. Yep. Um, all right. So what is the JC problem? Because Jung does seem to talk about this. And uh, it's a really difficult problem. And I think it's really difficult for our podcast if we get a little meta on this. Because on the one hand, I think we really don't want to be judgmental. People right. In the podcast. We really try not to be. It probably would be better if we were. Maybe it would be, you know, like people like judgmental shit. People like people to do in hot takes. Yeah, they want. Extreme things, but we don't like to do that. I'm waiting to see if you had something on that. Oh, no, I'm saying they want your hot take on a on an issue that's been going on for, uh, you know, 1900 years. <laughs> Have you thought about it like, long enough yet? <laughs> you still... Well, you, you say something like people like to hear controversial shit, right? That's what people for sure. Like, right. So anyways, so we're trying not to be that way. It might not be the wisest business choice. <laughs> Maybe not. But, you know, that it, diving into sensationalism, you always have to be sensational. You know, so like you're almost saying things to get a rise. Not even I don't even know if people necessarily believe them. They're just saying them to be saying they're saying shit to be saying shit, as they say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like obviously we we would rather err on the side of authenticity. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. I sometimes notice it myself where I'm like, ooh, a controversy, and I want to look. Mm. <laughs> it is tempting, whatever that psychology is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've gotten really good about it lately because now I'm like, nah, I'm not watching any of this shit. I've really mm. cut it. And it's been a much more positive effect in my life. We do talk about like cutting out these social media things and yeah. so on and so forth. And I really have done it. It's been pretty dramatic. Like if I'm engaging with something now, it's much more of like higher quality, substantive stuff. And I feel much better. Like even mm. some of the news programs I would watch, cut them. Because mm. you really get to feel like it's just judgmental shit. Yeah. So we don't want to be judgmental. And we don't want to be judgmental, especially about other people's spiritualities. That I think hard. Yeah. that part in particular, because we you know we have things that we're passionate about, and it doesn't mean that somebody doesn't can't have a critique on it. And I'm certainly open to hearing it because maybe there's something I missed, you know, or maybe something they missed. But you know, to bash for the sake of I know better, then you inherently don't know better. That that that's the only thing I can say, you know. Yeah, it's obviously there's going to be like different takes on things and people are coming from different places. Sure. And it's hard to be judgmental about that. I think the biggest one that came up, which was a sort of something we decided over the course of the show of doing this for the few years that we resolved this was a lot of the new agey stuff. I think in the beginning, there was a little bit more of an inclination. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Give a little shit to the new age. Um, but we love new age people. I love yeah. them. I mean, you know, and I changed my I change a heart. Change we your would, heart, change your mind. We mm -hmm. would be probably, uh, if somebody didn't know it better, they would throw us in that category anyways. And very <laughs> likely, the book that we're, you know, that Eric is working on and I'm working on together will likely be sold in the self-help slash new age section. <laughs> very likely. Very likely. So, you know, we want to be at home with our brethren. Yeah. I like the idea of saying like I'm a little bit more old age, but okay, you know rather than new age, but is what it is. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this whole thing of being non-judgmental and I had a student who was really into this 
And uh, she would use a lot of the new agey kind of jargon too. Very thoughtful person, very nice person. Sure. Yeah, and we were in the clinic kind of talking and I can't remember what they call them. There's like a whole thing. I think you might be part of this little millennial group or something. I think it was with the millennials or I can't remember if it was millennials or Gen Zers or who the hell it was supposed to be. Well, one group is supposed to be considered these like golden children or something that are going to change everything. Oh, indigo. That's it. Indigo children, yeah. Yeah. Who's that supposed to be, anyways? Do you? Um, at this point, concept, it's a while ago. I forgot it. So. At this point, they're going to be older millennials, like like myself. So you're the you're the indigo people, apparently. And what were you supposed to do? <laughs> I'm not sure. I remember watching a video on it, um, and and being sort of, I don't know. Like I'm not sure, but they say they say that uh, indigo children, according to pseudoscientific new age concepts are children who are believed to possess special, unusual, and sometimes supernatural traits or abilities. They were first described in the 1970s by a, a parapsychologist out of uh, San Diego State. And that they that their aura in particular had a more of like an indigo hue to it. Uh -huh. And she had not seen that before. Therefore, indigo children. Do you feel like an indigo child? You have special qualities, Daniel, that we all admire. So there's no reason not to I admire. Don't, I mean, maybe. But... I'm not sure. <laughs> and you wonder where this stuff comes from because the, the phrase rolled off her tongue with such ease. And well, I, like, I have never heard of this. <laughs> I think I, I think they're they're they say that these these people feel like more spiritually awakened. You know that that they're supposed to be here. That they have higher expectations. You know, a stronger sense of intuition. Um, maybe you have a little bit of this and that you want to kind of like overturn rigid systems. I definitely you know? want to do that. I don't yeah, know if they're, I they're go, creative. I, yeah, I don't know if I fit. I'm not in that time frame. You don't, right, you don't fit within much of society. You kind of like headstrong, passionate, focused, uh, psychic abilities. But then they also say that like they're frustrated because they don't fit with society so much. So, you know. Do you feel that amongst your indigo brethren? Do you feel like there's a like a bonding of indigo folks? Listen, I I did not name me as an indigo. <laughs> I'm not trying to like. And I'm wondering like I, I'm more like saying like I, I look at it and I'm like I almost feel something. Okay, here's like I don't know indigo or not indigo. I feel like there's like a subgroup of people like all the time who are feeling this way. Sure. Yeah. Yes. You know, I think there's like some like little like line layer of people. You know. Um. This is like a tangent, but I remember I was out in California and my uncle, who's kind of a quirky California person on some level, I think it mm. must be just the California influence. Uh, he's definitely like GOP, but he'll have like these kind of weird new agey books on the shelf too. And he had one on the occult. And there was a guy basically talking about like, you'll have, it's either five or 10% of the population that will want to be different somehow, mm. you know? And uh, it's a famous writer who was, being interviewed by the guy who's writing the book. It's a guy named Robert Graves. He wrote this thing called I, Claudius, which is a history of like the Roman emperor, empire. So if you happen to know that book, this is Robert Graves who said this. So the author of the book is another kind of famous writer. And he said, he was asking Robert Graves, do you believe in like psychic powers and stuff? And Robert Graves said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that kind of stuff. He said, and then Robert Graves just dropped a number, like 5% of the population will be like this. Mm. Different. They'll be indigo for their time or something, right? Right. And, um, and the guy who was reading, who was writing the book is a guy named Colin Wilson. Maybe we'll do an episode on him at some, at some point because he's an interesting person too. And uh, he was like, really? And then he started looking for that number, this 5 to 10% thing. And in the intro of the book, he, he said something like, 
the Viet Cong realized that during the Vietnam War, they only had to watch like five or 10% of the prisoners. Because those are the only people who would really try to do anything. Those are the only people who tried to escape. Everybody else, you could just kind of like, they'll probably won't do much anyways. So this five to 10 number kind of hung around there. Mm. You know? And there might be just something like that. And that's always kind of stood out with, in my mind. Like there's some like layer of people who really want to do something different, right? And the rest of people probably don't so much. Or right. What do you think about something like that? You know, that's certainly, I mean, it's a small percentage of people. So, you know, maybe that number has, you know, synchronicity, synchronistic tendencies, you know, in that. Lab. But I think where I want to, where I'm going to take it is to bring us back and say that <laughs> there are multiple ways in which people can have, we'll call them powers, or as the Eastern traditions would call them, sid siddhis, not cities, S-I-D-D-H-I-S, powers. And some people are more prone to having them based on karma, merit, you know, or karma, number one, or through uh, meditative prowess, right, by merit. And the tales of yogis, and I don't mean yogis like uh, people who go to yoga studios. Those are yogis also, but these are traditional yogis, people who are outside of society performing things that are just, you know, mind bending in order to bend their own mind, you know, that they have, they have, they're able to do things outside of above, as my teacher Andre would say, above normal, you know, above regular. Mm -hmm. And JC was one of these yogis, actually, you know, according to tradition, you know, oh, according I to mean, the that's the interesting question. Well, who was he? Right. That kind of right. like jumps the answer to the question, because I don't know if that's obvious who he was or if he existed at all. Right. You know what I mean? And maybe that's like like jumping maybe to the end of it. But I mean, I think, I mean, we'll kind of build to it. I think like where that comes in is like trying to find a Jesus that you happen to like. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you're into the idea, then Jesus will become one of these people because yeah. Jesus is like a flexible character, right? Yogi. Yeah. <laughs> well, he could like touch his toes, I'm sure. <laughs> but, you know, like, uh, anyways. So, okay. So maybe that's getting to the conclusion of it because we can share where we're going, but maybe we'll build a story to it or yeah. something. Yeah, build yeah. a story. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. So on the one hand, we don't want to be judgmental about these things. Yeah. On the other hand, there's a kind of a deep point that Jung raises. He does it in answer to Job. He does it in some of his other books. Um, that he writes kind of towards the end of his life, probably, um, where he's saying, okay, we have this tradition that's been going on for this, you know, time period. And um, it's getting to the point where this is not going to work for a lot of people. Yeah. Which is a kind of a weird subject matter to talk about for our podcast, because it means you're going to like, if we entertain what he's saying, it also means that you're saying something about Christianity, right? And, you know, you and I both have people that we know and love who are really Christian people. Mm -hmm. And it puts us in kind of a weird spot. Yeah, but, yeah, I, yeah my family in particular, you know? So, I, yeah, certainly branches of my family. We're going to give it a tumble and we'll try to do this in the most respectful way we can. But I think yeah. the point that he's making that I think is like the purpose of this particular episode to talk about, right? Mm -hmm. Just that, like once you get to the now, this viewpoint, this philosophy, this religion was is in a certain sense going to burn itself out for like a, a a big swath of people, and what that means then, and this is maybe Jung being like sociocultural person, right? Mm -hmm. On the personal level, as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, 
you know, I was raised in Catholicism and so were you. So we can talk about this in an honest way. We can look at it from the point of view of our own experiences mm -hmm. so to be brought up in this. Right. And I don't know how you feel about it now. I guess they'll come out over the course of the whole episode. Right. Thinking back, I felt like, well, there was good things that came out of this. There were good and bad things that came out of this upbringing. Right. Um, I think it may be open to like more metaphysical beliefs. And I thought, that's good. Even though I didn't stay with those beliefs, it made those possible for me, right? Mm. So I could believe things that there were parts of the world beyond the material that seemed to be good for me in the long run. Um, you know, and other things like that, you know, it kind of, that was positive, right? There was a certain amount of like ritual and contemplation that I thought was fine because I spent a certain amount of time in church with my grandmother dragging my drunken grandfather hung over to sit in the pews, right? To try to save his uh, soul, uh, soul. <laughs> uh, with varying degrees of like non-success in any given week. Um, but I thought that was kind of good. I mean, I thought my experiences in church, I thought they were not bad. You know, like sometimes I was bored, but sometimes I thought it was very contemplative and there was a ritual element. And I, I think that helped me in the long run that I was able to take sort of these ritual and contemplative things, right? Mm -hmm. And then I think even something like prayer, where you can like sit around and you're a kid and you kind of pray, you talk to God and you talk to Jesus and all these kinds of things. I mean, I did those things. And now in my life, I do probably something even similar. You can talk to an archetype like we were talking about with Jung. So it makes you open to these kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, those are the positives that I saw. If I like leave the negatives at the door, I'm going to emphasize the positives. That's how it was for me. I know. How do you think about that? I mean, I imagine a lot of that stuff vibes with you. Do you have other things you want to add to that? Things well, that I think, okay. The one part about the belief in the metaphysical is something that transcends my own relationship with it. I mean, people are like, there's there'll be science people, but most of whom still will baptize their children if they do that. Like it's, you know, atheism is growing, but there's still a, a large part. And like in the story, in the tale of, of Christ, the crux of it, at least for me, was the the supernormal is that is the tales of him, you know, bending reality to doing the what's five to ten percent thing we were talking about earlier. Yeah, like doing the impossible all the time, actually. Mm -hmm. And then people believing that. Do you know what I'm saying? So that that I think that was maybe a shift. Um and that it made it more real. It made it more tangible for people. It it, it brought forth a being who was, you know, from society, but also outside of society because he sort of returned from some, you know, I don't know, long retreat, you know? He spent like the 40 days out in the desert, right? Well, I mean, he was, they couldn't find him for, he was gone for 20 years, you know? The, oh, you're talking about that way? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was oh, gone, okay. you know, he was, he was gone and then came back and now is this, you know, different person. Well, there's nothing in the stories that talk about from him from the age of like a teenager to when mm -hmm. he goes through. Mm -hmm. that's, they just there's no narrative around that or something correct yeah correct yeah. so but you're you know you're sort of not forced but kind of coerced to believe that this is who this person was and why he is special is because he could do these things you know and because okay. he could do these things then now this is the this is the okay, meat of the about, story okay this is an interesting conversation i wasn't thinking about this part you know you and i do this stuff and then we have our own reactions and you know so i wasn't thinking about this way all right, let's go forward a little bit while we're doing it. 
Let's I got do really it. interested in this question. Like, so I'll have to throw it back out to you. You can tell me what you think about it. Yeah. But do you think this person existed or didn't exist? Yeah, I do actually. Okay. I do. And, and what is but, that? Where, okay. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. But I don't think he's the only one. Mm-hmm. So maybe, so this, so, so my, my view on this is different. Like, like, and my, my view on this is that he is a, yo, you know, he's a yogin. He's a practitioner of yoga. Again, not yoga that you're getting at core power or whatever local yoga studio you have, but, but that's bad. Right, not, they're good. That's fine. I teach yoga, the bendy stretchy kind, but the, the kind of internal yoga, right? So we'll take yoga as a, as a, as a, as a union of two opposites of mind and body of masculine and feminine of uh, infinite as in divine and finite as in you as a person who is listening, right? So that's union yoga. So as a person who is practicing union via meditation or whatever they're doing, fasting, whatever, they're, however the practice is, I don't know. But when you reach a certain level of practice, then your, your perception of reality changes and therefore the limitations, what you believe yourself to be able to do and or more importantly not do, gets a little bit blurry. And so people have abilities to do things that are above the normal. And h- hence the story of this one particular yogi who did all these things that there are many other yogis who were able to do in different traditions. So while some people, and this is why I always had an issue with looking at only one person as the only one who was ever to do that in, in the entirety of history. It's like, no, humans can humans can transcend humanity in, in, in such a way that they can do this. It's just, he's probably the most famous one, you know, to be able to do that. So for me, I believe there are multiple Christs, m- multiple Christs. He's one of the, one of a group of bodhisattvas you know, a group of healers, if you will. So it's a very like kind of like personal vision of, you know, how you think and feel about this. It's very personal. Sure. Which I think like I put it in part of the next part of the episode, but you never know how this is going to play itself out. Like, I think growing up with JC and feeling kind of an emotional connection to that figure, which I felt. And I was like contemplating today and I was like, yeah, I could still feel that. Mm-hmm. I still feel like a little JC in my heart. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and I've thought about that off and on over the years when I'm like not Catholic anymore or anything like that. So it's a very personal kind of relationship. And I went through the rituals and I'm sure the rituals have some effect, right? Mm-hmm. You know, baptized and I did all these things. I got confirmed because my grandma wanted me to do it. It was one of these, it was one of those things you had to do. I think. I think so. <laughs> Otherwise, your grandma would just like, you know, like she would be in Personal. agony. Yeah. yeah, I never did. I never did that. But I yeah. confirmed and it was like, and they said, like, don't confirm just because your grandma will be upset. And we all went, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. We're not going to do it for that reason. Everybody did it for that reason. Of course, they did it for that reason. <laughs> you know, you want to kill your grandma, my poor, like my poor Polish grandma. For Eric, for for those, just two seconds on confirmation for those who are not yeah. Catholic. Yeah, so, um, yeah, there's a series of like, are there seven sacraments or something you're supposed to do? Yeah. I can't remember the exact number. And they're like the baptism at the beginning of life. You do a thing like the first confession, which is the first time you go and talk to the priests about, you know, some awkward thing that you did that they may or may not understand mm-hmm. <laughs> why you feel bad about it, you know, and they tell you to do some, say some Hail Marys or something, uh, which are like the little like things, little prayer breed things that you do. Um Marriage is a sacrament amongst this. Um, and then there's one called confirmation. And confirmation happens usually when you're like 
adolescent, right? You're like 13, 14 or something. Yeah, 12, 13, something like this. And it's when you really say, okay, I was raised in this, but now I'm really confirming. I'm like doubling down. Mm -hmm. Or it was a decision other people made for me, but now I'm super in and I'm going for it, you know? And it's really funny if you come from, if you don't come from a Catholic family, this, you know, you, you might not, obviously what you're saying, Doug, you might not know the context of how this works, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but a lot of it will be like uh, my grandma <laughs> or my mom or my aunt or whoever it will be, or, will be really all, upset if I don't do this. That's <laughs> <laughs> they'll be sitting there. And literally, to be honest, worrying about your immortal soul. They'll be sitting around worrying That's right. that you're going to hell. <laughs> my uncle, the deacon, passed away a couple of years, uh, passed away uh, last year. Rest in peace, Uncle Phil. Um, you know, he'd be worrying about me all the time mm. if I didn't do this. And so you do it, you mm -hmm. know? And uh, it's not even like you have a, I don't, did you, it's not even like you have a huge party or something. It's not even like a, a bat mitzvah or a bar mitzvah or anything. It's no. you do it for this thing. And, um, and anyway, so that's one of the, that's one of the rituals. Last rites is another one. There might be some other ones in there that I'm not remembering. Yeah, maybe no. five to six or seven or whatever it is. So anyways, that's confirmation, right? Mm -hmm. so I was what I was getting to is like I think there was a part of me that wanted to find the Jesus I could connect to, mm -hmm. you know. I know. Did you watch um, any of the stuff they did the the TV series of American Gods? No. Okay, it's not in the book, but it's in the TV series. They wrote this scene in, and there's kind of like I don't even tell the have to tell the whole backstory. It's just that there's a bunch of divinities. Norse gods and other gods all walking around America, contemporary America, hmm. right? That's the gist of the series. It's it's pretty great, actually. It's Neil Gaiman, right? Uh, the writer. What's the most famous thing? Uh, Coraline probably was one people would know from Neil Gaiman. You know, you're not familiar with him? No. Okay. Anyways, kind of like a interesting writer, right? Sure. So, um, so he has this whole plot device where there's these Norse gods and all these other gods that are all walking around the United States. And um, they go to uh, a party and in the party, there's like 60 different versions of Jesus hanging around mm. <laughs> with the realization that everybody has their own Jesus mm. and they're not the same at all. There's a scholar on Christianity I really like named Robert Price. And he points this out and he says like, it's amazing because he says, if you go down in the South, I've never been down there to see these things. We go to the high school and there's Jesus sitting there like with his arm around, like the guy dressed in his high school football uniform. So he's like Jesus, like the coach, you mm. know, Jesus or something like everybody takes Jesus and makes him into the one that they want. So it's kind of a great, it's again, it's not in the book, but it's in the series. And I thought that is so scholarly observant, you know, like that's mm. exactly what it is. There's a million Jesus is flying around. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing that I guess you can make that a critique, and Robert Price points this out, if nobody can figure out who this guy is, who is he, right? If everyone's going to have their own version, right? And he raises that question. But on the other hand, you could say maybe it's a virtue because he's an archetypal figure that people can frame in their own way and the way that speaks to them. And Price raises that point too, I think, and it's coming up in the American Gods episode. Everyone's going to have their own take on who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. I think I felt something similar, though, because I had an emotional connection. I wanted to find a Jesus I could relate to. And so when I heard about Gnostic Jesus, <laughs> mm. I was into that Jesus. Right. All of a sudden, that was a Jesus I could relate to. Jesus, the Jesus, the mystic, Jesus, the Gnostic, Jesus, the Yogan, you know, like that Jesus I could relate to. But it's hard to know if that Jesus existed or not. 
Mm-hmm. That's the other. I, I guess I'll just do it one second, Daniel, just to fi- finish the riff, and then I'm curious your opinion because yeah, yeah, I got I got a good one. There's a part of this which is just, and I got super interested in it, where they were just saying, okay, there's a group of scholars, and if I get interested in something, sometimes I'll chase it, like a dog with a bone. I'll chase that thing. Um, and so I was chasing this question some years back because I had never heard these kinds of scholarly arguments before. Mm-hmm. And there's a like a long, there's a, like a community of scholarly people who are like, this person never existed at all. This is a completely mythic character, which would sound bizarre, except there's lots of examples of like mythic characters like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's really good reason to think there's no Moses. There's no Moses. That never probably even ever happened. You know, there's... As I understand it from listening to the folks who are doing the scholarly stuff, there's like almost no evidence that there were ever these Jewish people in Egypt, let alone that they did this massive exodus. Like this thing is probably like a spiritual story. And the tradition developed of like making spiritual stories into kind of histories and making them into these kinds of pieces. So it's a, it's a line of things about Jesus in this case, that there was no person. And they go through it pretty scholarly deep. We could probably do an episode on some other time. I didn't prep it for this or anything. Right. People are curious, but, and again, that's not to like, if you, if you believe there's a Jesus, I'm not saying this to like, say there isn't and just presenting the project. Right. And so, you know, they go through and they're like, when you look at like Paul in detail, they kind of argue like, there's lots of reasons to think that this was a completely spiritual figure for Paul. He obviously never claims to have met him. And it's not obvious that he even claimed to ever meet anyone who really knew him or something, or maybe he ran into some other apostles or something. Anyways, it's a weird set of arguments, and I'll lay it out at some point, maybe in more detail to do it full justice. But there's a, it's like it's compelling when you listen to it. It's not like there's nothing there, mm-hmm. and it's a scholarly position that seems to be growing and like a little bit of momentum with this, right? Mm. That this is a mythic figure, you know. And it, again, it seems odd that mythic figures could appear like this, but anthropologically, apparently, it happens. You can mm-hmm. get like characters that just erupt out as if it was a historical figure, and you realize, no, that seems like that's a mythical spiritual spiritual figure. Now, on the one hand, that's never really bothered me, you know, because I don't have a, I don't have a dog in that fight. Right. If there's no Buddha, I don't, I don't care. That doesn't change anything for me. There's Buddhism. That's fine because it's not invested in this person. Right. You know, if there's no Buddha, it certainly doesn't look like it's a real story. Mm. That looks like that's made up, you know, to me, Mm -hmm. that looks like a myth, but a myth that's like teaching. Sure. Something important. So anyways, I don't have a, I don't, this doesn't matter to me that much. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not emotionally affected by that. But of course, if I was like, maybe still in my Catholic days for myself, this would have a much more of an impact on me. And, you know, because I would have more invested in the idea that there was this person. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have a thing with that. All right. Anyways, I, I wanted to finish the mythic part because it's sure. the whole thing up and then, okay, I'll, I'll throw the mic back to you. Okay. So um, in the sort of like, not Buddhist cosmology, but ideology, philosophy, there's, we, and we've done ep- numerous episodes on these before, so we're not going to go super deep. We'll just touch on it for a moment. The idea of the the three bodies of a, of a being or the three layers or three phases of one's, one's truest level of being, right? So the Dharmakaya, Sambhogakaya, Nirmanakaya, and Jen, briefly, and Eric, you know, feel free to clean up my uh, ignorance here. But the, the one's experience of their their dharmakaya, kaya meaning body, and body is not a great trend. I don't think body is a great word for this, but we'll call it like aspect. And I think that's what we called it when we did the episode. So 
one aspect of your your mind or your soul or however you want to call it and as they call it a dharmakaya or the reality aspect is that in reality we are all connected to everything all the time and so the experience of this is like transcending your own limited view or limited experience of yourself so you're not just eric you're eric but you're everything else at the same time everything everywhere all at once is dharmakaya right perfectly perfectly put um, the Symbhogakaya is kind of like a, a, a dreaming body or dreaming aspect of yourself. And I don't mean dreaming like when you're sleeping, but something that travels a little bit more that you can experience other layers of. So if you someone has a, 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 you know, a spiritual or metaphysical vision or something like that, this is the aspect of yourself that is having that kind of experience of moving back and forth. That's how I kind of interpret it. Mm-hmm. But the last part. The part that matters for this actually is that what they call the emanation body, the one, the emanation aspect. And in one, and on one hand, we are, we are the Nirmanakaya right now. So I am the emanation of Daniel in this life. Eric is the emanation of Eric in this life. Ubiquity, ubiquitous audience member, the one, you know, what do they call that? And not NPC who I have in my mind, who's listening to the show, which is, you know, 55% female and 45% male and is a rough age of, you know, 39 or something like that, you know, who lives in the United States, but also partly in Europe. That's because that's like our audience demographic that you're the emanation of whatever it is that you are. But in reference to people who are, you know, what we call realized, right? And so whether or not we want to say Christ was a being who was realized or, even if other people want to say Christ was God in man form, he's still realized either way. I'm going to, I'm going to concede that point, even though I love to, to debate it, but we're going to concede it for right now that he was a realized being and the emanation body, the nirmanakaya for those who would like the, the terms, because I do, um, is that you can emanate. And as Robert Thurman has said numerous times to as whatsoever, to whomsoever, to whomsoever, meaning you are any source of healing or enlightenment or insight or you know some sort of positive in, um, developmental aspect to anybody whenever they need it in the way that they can use it most readily. So if someone is down and they have and they hear their favorite song on the radio, you could say that like that is an emanation of some healing via music. And so when I think about people having different versions of an enlightened being, because I believe this to be an, an, an emanation of this enlightened being, well, then of course it's going to be different. It could not be the same because your perspective is different. My perspective is different. And therefore what we are, are going to be able to perceive will be different based on a, our understanding, our cultural influences, our genetics, our family, all these other kinds of things. So that it fits well for us, because each of us is a very particularly unique puzzle. And in order for these pieces to fit, they have to change shape and change story a little bit so that they can live within us. But to me, that's the magic of the Nirmanakaya. That's the magic of the emanation body of a being who is realized in that they can be perceived by numerous people in all different kinds of ways. And yet we're still talking about the same thing. So this is how I make it work. <laughs> no, I love it. So, okay. It's so the thing that I, I, I chuckle, uh, not because I don't think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. 
I chuckle because that's the Jesus that we like. <laughs> that's our Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> that's Jesus, the Bodhisattva. That's Jesus, the figure of enlightenment. Yeah. Do I like that Jesus? I think that Jesus is awesome. Yeah. Totally into it. But I also would have to acknowledge that that's not my Uncle Phil's Jesus. That's not how he thinks about him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He doesn't see him that way. So I don't know what the hell that totally means, uh, except to say that, like, you know, that's not that's not the Jesus that I learned about when I was like a kid or something, you know? Mm. That's not the Catholic Jesus. And how would the Catholic Jesus, in your view, differ from that? Well, it's, it has nothing to do with that. They have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> so that's like, that's a Gnostic Jesus or something. That's a different kind of Jesus. You mm. know what I'm saying? Do you do you agree with that, or you, do you feel differently? About I, I think so. I guess I'm just looking just to just to just to to give the other the other the the more traditional Catholic viewpoint uh, a moment so that those well, I guess, who are like, I unfamiliar, guess, you know what I'm saying? Do you, like, I guess the question, like, do you see that like is what you were taught as like a Catholic kid that Bodhisattva Jesus is the G? I mean, that's that's our feeling about what enlightenment is, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, not what we were taught. It's not. That's us as adults going and saying, okay, we're re. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How, uh, like, it's a little psychological question, you know, for you too, but how, how important was it for you, for your own psycho-spiritual aspect to like reframe Jesus in that way? Did you Very. feel like emotional connection and it you was... wanted to re. Okay. So, okay, from... so that's, that's, I think that's the heart of that, right? On some level. Yeah. So I can say from my um, shamanic work with Mary Kay. And I've never told this story on here before. And I don't think I've ever told you this story. So, and this happens. Um, so when, when I first started practicing shamanism, um, you do these, we, we've talked about this uh, with the Carl Jung episodes on like journeying. And so I think I called it like a journey into oneself or something like this, where we talked about active imagination and then actual journeying, like shamanic practice of journeying. And you know, it is not as simple as laying, you know, sitting in a chair, closing your eyes, putting on some music or some drumming, and then all of a sudden you start having these crazy visions. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. There's more energies that are involved in it. And so for me, I had a very difficult time uh, for the first few journeys because I felt called to start to begin my journey, okay, in the church that I was, that I kind of like grew up in with my family. Except that whenever I went to, and again, this is um, this is a this is projecting in my mind, myself walking. Okay, so I would, you know, you're 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 taught to start at a certain place. So, just again to catch everybody up here, you you put on some drumming, or someone else will do some drumming. You lay down, you try and cover your eyes so that you're more relaxed, and then you're told to go start from somewhere familiar. Okay, and just you imagine yourself in this place. Even saying the word imagining is not accurate, but we'll just call it that for the sake of this discussion. You start in some place and then you're to go wherever you're going to go. Okay. You can go anywhere really, but we'll just say you're going somewhere. And so we were taught to go, she said, go in, into the ground somewhere and, and see what happens when you go into the ground or under the ground. So I started in, my, in the church that I grew up in and there's some stairs that lead to the basement. Except when I went in the stairs, it was just an infinite cases of stairs stacked upon each other. It's just unceasing. And I came out and I said, Mary Kay, it's just infinite amount of stairs. She's like, okay, well, maybe next journey, try and go up. See if you can go upstairs. I said, okay, that sounds good. Same thing. Upstairs. I'm just traveling, traversing stairs, traversing stairs. Now, again, 
our audience, you decide what you think about this story, but this happened to me and, and I, you know, there was no psychedelics involved whatsoever. She said, I understand. Uh, she said, I feel as if your faith or your relationship to that lineage is keeping you trapped and not allowing you to transcend into other practices. So she went into the church. She had a journey where she went to the church with me because she told me, go back to the church and stay there. Don't do anything. Just sit down and whatever, do whatever you're going to do. Eat the stale bread. And so she she came in there and, and she had a conversation with some of the people who are beings who were there in that church and, and asked for my permission to do as I wish, do as I choose to do, not as I have been sort of ushered to. The very next journey I went, when I went down the stairs, then I was able to go into an underground world of life and, you know, everything else. And I've never had a problem since. And subsequent journeys later, I've gone back to the church and had more relationships with the beings who were there, you know, who were kind of like helping to hold the space and keep the people there. I don't think that they're necessarily nefarious in that way, but this is a, this is a true story, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like, um, there are just influences upon us that are really unbeknown to us, where we call them ancestral or, or, you know, cultural, however you want to call it. Um, but yeah, it's a very deep tradition that has a lot of power to it. And for me, the, the, the transcending of that was absolutely very important. And then my relationship with, with Christ, the being, changed at that moment because before that he was a character that was told that i should believe this stories about and i never wanted to after that the interactions that i've had with him have been very deep not super often but anytime that they're there it, it's uh it's like meeting an old dear friend that's the best way i could do it and i feel like all those things happening as time has gone on have made him a more palatable character for me, as opposed to something that I should do or else, or because of, you know what I'm saying? Because of the guilt, like, cause you don't want to disappoint your grandmother or your aunt or your mom or something like that. So yeah. So reframing that relationship um, has been essential, you know, essential to my own growth spiritually, but then has also been essential to my relationship with such so with so much influence from my family's uh, I guess I could say relationship with the church and via me as part of that as well. Yeah. So I think like I just like an intellectual curiosity thing, I suppose, but like when you went after you did the thing with Mary Kay, when you went up, how did that look when you went up? Did you go up in the church again too? Yeah. Yeah. So did that it wasn't staircases anymore and stuff. Was that other stuff happening there too? The staircase when I when when I went up the staircase the the church was there was another like a second or third tier to the church and there was no roof. And it was so once I got to the top I got on the floor we were kind of up in maybe more like uh not like clouds but in the sky you could say and there was a lot more like singing and a lot more like jewels and very beautiful kind of like ornately uh, decorated columns and things like this. And uh, yeah, there was, you know, that was the first time that I met that I could say that I quote unquote met, met Christ was, was that, that day for it me. It almost has a vibe to me a little bit like what you might call like a pure land or something, right? Yes. There's a pure land vibe to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for our audience, if you've, you know, never had an experience like that before. Like I, I hope that you, I really, I, I sincerely hope that people have some things 
of their own that can make these things move beyond just words because then the words have meaning because the words come from a very particular place of people's experience. I feel like if they're good or if they're deep, I will say not necessarily good. And if um, you know, you, you allow yourself to be influenced by people whom you trust, you know, who have your best intentions in mind, then, then like, I never asked for those things. It was not my intention to have that happen. That's just what happened naturally. And you know me, I love to be, you know, in the kind of these like authentic life experiences that unfold and they unfold in their own natural spiritual ways, even though I'm not necessarily looking to do that. I'm, I'm using a native, a native indigenous practice that's been around for five or 6,000 years started by Siberian shamans. I don't think that they were meeting Christ in a, in a cloud city, you know what I'm saying? And yet here I am like in the suburbs of Oak Park, having this transcendental experience that might've got me skinned alive. Uh, 200 years ago so you know what like maybe like part of this episode can become which maybe wasn't the yeah you never know where these things are going to go once we start talking right yeah right. yeah yeah but, but maybe part of it is like that it's okay to have the freedom to find the 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 jesus that the jc that you like yes each of us can do that we can yeah. find the jc that we relate to you know mm -hmm. some of it for me was again when i got interested in I went a little scholarly and I, I didn't know I was going to find it so interesting, but I did, you know, once I got interested, I was, Oh, this is fascinating. Cause you know, even within the community of people, there's some people who really feel like, no, there was a historical person for sure. And other people are like, no, there really wasn't probably. Right. And they can argue this out. Okay. We're not going to answer that question for sure. No. But I was like, this is interesting to hear what people are saying, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, I'd never heard this stuff before. And you know, even how people were trying to explore it. I thought this is a really interesting question for people to explore. Yeah. Spiritually, like the way you're talking about, this is more like scholarly stuff, right? Yeah. 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 It's historians and so on. Um, and I thought, well, this is fascinating. But then I also learned about a bunch of other Christianities that I didn't even know existed. One of which was Gnostic. Mm -hmm. you know? And even amongst things that you would say are Gnostic, there's a whole bunch of different folks there. Right. And I was like, okay, this seems to mean to me, it, one of the things it said was from the very beginning, there was a question of like, who is this person? <clears throat> who is this figure? And people seem to relate to this figure in like different ways. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Some of them were very kind of more like traditional, you know, uh, maybe like when my uncle would be or members of our family would be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But some of the Jesuses were pretty wild. <laughs> like maybe the Jesus that I would like. <laughs> and I was like, hallelujah. That's right. There we go. Preach. <laughs> praise. Praise. <laughs> You're not going to witness. That's right. You can. <laughs> I was like, this Jesus I'm into, you know? This unconventional wild Jesus. And I remember calling, like talking to a friend of mine. Uh, I always call him Bobo, <laughs> which is Korean for beloved because he had a Korean girlfriend and we learned this term Bobo. So we already call, always call each other Bobo. <laughs> He's a guy I went to school with. He's a quirky character, kind of brilliant character, uh, you know? And uh, I was like, I found Gnostic Jesus. I'm so happy. <laughs> mm. And he was like, okay. And he, what was his answer? I was saying like, he's very like, He's very iconoclastic. He was against the society. So he threw over the the money changers in the temple. And he was like, you know, this, like, you know, I was like describing this Jesus, which was not the Jesus I was brought up with maybe, or not exactly, you know, the stories were there, but not framed in that way. Right. And I was so excited. And he was kind of like, well, was, isn't that the, isn't that every, isn't that what Jesus is? And he wasn't raised in that way. And I was like, no, right. no, this is a different Jesus. This is the Jesus I can get into, you know? 
and on a like a, a visionary level or a, a you know that subjective spiritual experience level i could like look into my own heart and i could kind of i have this thing i maybe you feel something similar daniel i can we talk about the experience experiential aspect i can look at my heart and there's like a little jesus there mm-hmm. <laughs> like inside i can see him in there and the, i whenever i see him uh he's always like it's very it's very loving it's very warm mm-hmm. it's a very loving relationship i could do it i could feel it right now it makes me a little sentimental feeling almost mm-hmm. like i want to like cry a little bit mm-hmm. it's very it's very touching mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um uh and moving but you know so maybe that's part of the episode that i wasn't expecting to talk about but yeah it's the fact that you can do that with this figure when you and open you space for the whole of these figures you know you can make go to the buddha that you like that's it <laughs> find the buddha that you're into i like a wild tantric ass buddha <laughs> <laughs> that's the buddha that i like you know uh-huh. But other people might like different Buddhas. The other people might like really ascetic Buddhas who want the center of the tree and kind of suffer it out and whatever. They might be interested in that Buddha. And it's no. obvious that it's not the same character on some level. Right. And who the fuck knows? <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. But yeah, as, you as some, yeah, you can gravitate to the one you like. Yeah. As some would say, when you, you know, when you open space, the Holy Ghost comes through and then uh, all the other things come out. But I don't know that I believe that. But I, I do think that like, it's good to be able to discuss these types of things, A, because they're so so prevalent in society, number one. And th- these are the benefits. So we, you know, we often talk about like what are this, what are the you know pros and cons of organized religion or or you know, whatever, organized structures in general. But you know, having these kinds of discussions allows people to hopefully change the way that they are influenced by these things. And that if you hear stuff that, you know, cause I think even, even the name Jesus is kind of cringy for a lot of folks, you know, you get a lot of eye rolls and things like this, but like in essence, it's less about, for me, it's less about that particular name and more about the character, you know, more about the tale around the character that is certainly not set in stone. It's not set in stone at all. Like the people were not there. No one knows. It's written in uh, on the back of like napkins and rocks and whatever, and it, in a language that doesn't exist anymore. Translated seventeen times, and then some dude said, "Oh yeah, these books are good, and these books are not good because these stories fit better together." And then we're we're taught like okay, uh, hold on real quick, Dan. I think these these stories fit our particular narrative better. There you go. That's you know, correct. I mean, these are the stories that fit our narrative. Those other stories, we're not into those stories. Yeah, we're not into those because they don't fit. And so it's it's important to wrestle with these things and then decide if it has value for you. Because then, if you can find value in it, if and it doesn't mean that you have to, if you can find value in it, then whenever you hear the name or you see a cross or you see something it's not something that you you do an eye roll with or that you're like ah man you know like it's not cringy it's a remind for me it's a reminder of enlightenment you know it's a reminder that like we too can transcend it's a reminder that like being outside of society can be positive that we can you know break through our own limitations and be some sort of like crazy compassionate person who gives him who gives themselves for the you know betterment of society if that's what you you know if that's what you believe but that's at least this is the to me this is like the the, what i want to call a practical tantra and turning something from what it appears to be to giving it to giving it meaning that allows me to deepen my own practice and awareness on a daily basis 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same thing with like, again, if you take a character like a Buddha, like there's a there's a version of a Buddha story where he you know almost starves himself to death, mm -hmm. you know, because he's trying to be such an ascetic. He's trying to be so rigid and so ascetic, right? Yes. Himself so hard that he almost dies. That's part of every story. But in some of the stories, he's like probably met by like what we call like a Dakini, like a tantric goddess who comes mm -hmm. along and says, no, this is crazy town. What are you doing? And like feeds him and like they probably make love in some of the stories under the tree. Right. And uh, and like I like that Buddha. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the Buddha I'm into. You know what I mean? Um, and maybe like part of the thing is like, yeah, there's a freedom to there's a freedom to move within this. And then I guess you're into a space, if we get back to the Jungian take a little bit, now you're in an archetypal space, mm. right? Now you're in a space where I'm going to find the spiritual image, the iconography, the archetype that speaks to me, yes. right? And then you have to kind of in some ways admit then, and you were talking about this in this way, that now we're, we're talking about something that transcends being a historical figure now. Yeah. Like now we're talking about something else, Right. But maybe that is kind of the argument on some level or the the problem that the episode kind of started off with too, maybe a little bit, right? Like, because you have to like allow yourself the freedom to do that. And I don't know if a lot of people necessarily feel that freedom to do that. Right. You know? Yeah. And, um, or even like, okay, so I'll, I'll throw some of the young stuff out and we'll see how this all fits together as we do it. But it's a great subject. I'm, I'm glad we did this this way and I'm glad it went yeah. this way. I mean, we've been a little bit more enlightening the way that it's, it's even the way that part is yeah. more enlightening way to think about it. And we've been talking about this. I mean, this has been coming up on and off of the episodes for years, really. And, you know, we we're we want to we want to tackle things that are societal, which this is societal. And we want to tackle things that are, you know, very prevalent, because I think if you could turn like I was mentioning earlier, but like if, if you could turn major themes in in your life and in, in the in the collective and make them something that has value for you even if you're not like totally attached to it in some way but they help to be like road road signs you know go this way turn that way do you know what i'm saying they become they become more um synchronous synchronistic and and then the i mean for me the more synchronistic that i i experience my life the the more that i feel like that the universe is speaking back to me and that that to me that has value because then i feel less alone i'm reminded that i am i am part of the dharmakaya i am part of the the infinite being you know i'm reminded of the the eternal subconscious which or the infinite subconscious which uh unfortunately doesn't always come up when i'm taking tests However, <laughs> so if they get that information when they need it, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know what? Let me open it up it's a little bit. I think they're in the Akashic records. That's right. I need to dust my connection off a little bit. My, uh, <laughs> yeah. blow a little dust off the connection thing to make the wires click. Yeah. I think, um, I want to do a, like a, maybe some episodes coming up on like William Blake, the artist and the sure. poets and, and, you know, he has an interesting relationship to this too, where he's like, well, these stories are these bible stories that's not literal stuff that's poetry mm. that's stuff that we can interpret and figure out what it means mm. yeah all right so i guess like uh i'll throw the young part out and then we'll see how it all like like coalesces together by the end right so what i think young starts to talk about is i guess what we're talking about too that the vision that he got of jesus wasn't going to work anymore mm. you know 
and he was raised in a very religious family. In his um, autobiography, he talks about, you know, these theological arguments he had with his father, where he started questioning, right? Mm -hmm. And so he saw this, like, what would be like, I think maybe we we proposed an answer to the JC problem, which is find your own Jesus. Yeah. Right. Or find whatever spiritual figure fits to you for you. Yeah. yeah. Which is not surprising. That's going to be our answer. <laughs> Do you. <laughs> <laughs> but as a sociological thing, Jung says this creates a big sociological problem. Right. Right. Because you're going to get, I guess, the, the view represented for him by his father or maybe like for me yeah. and my family by my uncle. Yeah. Which is much more of a traditional view. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what he saw coming. It seems to me, and I think, you know, I think this shows a lot of foresight on his part. He says, well, if the myth stops working for a big mass of people, then aspects of the myth will disintegrate and fall apart. Right. And you'll kind of have probably like some kind of vacuum. Right. And I think what he saw was that you'd get a lot of like atheism that would explode mm. and like hyper materialism, <clears throat> because when the spiritual myth falls apart, there's kind of this vacuum. Right. And it's partially falling apart for a lot of people, probably because it like the more and this, again, it's hard to talk about. But the more my uncle's view of that, if I just use my uncle, this isn't going to work for a lot of people because it doesn't it doesn't vibe with their mentality anymore. Mm. Right. It won't stand up to sort of the more uh, scientific parts of how people are going to think. Right. The way the mentality of the culture is going, this is going out of sync. Right. Yeah. And um because of that, it's going to fall apart for people. And then what happens is now you have like kind of a vacuum thing, a spiritual vacuum, right? Or probably what Jung would feel like, because he's so obsessed with like polarization. Yes. All of a sudden you'd have a polarization. You'd have atheists on one side and traditional religious people on the other side. And then bang, you have nothing but like a huge clash yeah. of something that's going to cause like a real sociological problem, right? Mm -hmm. That's what he kind of saw. That the older version... Which, to be honest, I thought, when I thought about the words, I thought, like, the Jesus I got from my uncle was kind of appropriate for me as a child, you know? And when I was, a like, what's the St. Saint, Saints Paul's thing? When I was a child, I did childish things, but when I became an adult, I put aside childish things, mm -hmm. you know? So that view wasn't going to work anymore. And um, it wasn't going to hold up to the other parts of, you know, I think how any of us might go individually, but also where the society is going, right? Yeah. So not in that space anymore where that myth is going to work and and so then you get this explosion of this atheism which i wanted to be kind of careful about too because i have lots of atheist friends and i don't want to be judgmental about atheism either except in our the way i think jung foresaw it which i think is accurate you get this massive polarization and people are kind of put on one side or the other this polarization and you you know i guess in our episode the way it turned out is we're trying to like scratch out a space to have an individual interpretation yes that's that's new for you that yeah. works for you yes. right to come up with the, the vision that works for you but as a socio-cultural problem it's polarized as fuck it's polarized yeah correct and it's really a problem and i think jung seemed to foresee that you know well, the he... old myth isn't going to hold up the new myth will be scientific but also very materialistic without a lot of room for things beyond just you know the raw material stuff well this was hard to get to a spiritual place from that 
this was, yeah. you know, this is kind of a bit of an extension from the the sentence that kind of had my mind going from last episode was, uh, does the culture create its divinity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and the influence that the that society has on its on its god, if you will, on its on its thing. But actually, Eric, I think, I think this is a good place to pause here. Well, because, I mean, maybe maybe we'll just like you got you got a couple more minutes. Wait, maybe wrap it because it gets to the real. Or do you have to boogie? No, it's not that. It's just that like going doing the the atheism part. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to shortchange it. Mm. You know, because I feel like because I basically what I'm saying is I want to have a. I, I think what the the question that you brought up about like atheism and materialism is a little bit of a longer, a little oh, bit of a more, longer. You have more, you have more you want to say about that? You're feeling like. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And yeah. so we've kind of like we've we've done we we are kind of like all over a little not all over a little bit but I like I, basically what I'm saying is I like the discussion that we had and I don't want to add on to I don't want to okay you want you want to put a cap on it so the cap on yeah. the guess is something like okay there's a well okay we'll we'll well there is no capper yet <laughs> no no and that's <laughs> okay talk about the atheist part okay yeah I yeah. have more to say about that than I do okay cool yeah yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I think this this is a good place to stop because there's a yeah. Just to me, it seems like that. All um, right, all right, cool. You know, so Eric, that you know, thanks. I mean, this is this is this is good. You know, I like I like having this this discussion on this because it's prevalent for so many people. Whether whether you're a, a Christian, you know, Judeo Christian practitioner or not, you're in the world of Judeo Christian practitioners, mm -mm -mm. and it, it influences you. It wound up being a Christmas episode, Charlie Brown. <laughs> it's it's sure it's it certainly did like ice skating now with our little dog Snoopy and the piano can play in the background because yeah. it is a Christmas episode. The yeah. theme of the Christmas episode is find your own Jesus. Yeah, yes, that's right. Find your own Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and supposedly like it's out there. Make one up for yourself. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, supposedly it's out there for you. So you know, the I mean, the Jungian thing would be like once you find the archetype, it'll talk back. Yes, and I, from my own experience, can say it does. Yeah, that's what you were describing, essentially, mm -hmm. right? The archetype will talk back. Mm -hmm. It'll start to appear in your life. That's mm -hmm. a crazy thought, but, you know, that's the idea. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said in the episodes before, the universe will start to whisper. Sometimes that's right. It'll start, and sometimes it'll start to, like, clang some pots together. <laughs> and, like, you know, like, blow some trumpets and really try to get you to pay attention. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that's a beautiful thought. Okay, that's cool. I get why you want to end it. Let's end it on, like, that note. Yes, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, for Eric, always, as always, thank you so much for uh, for uh, doing this with me to our audience. Thank you for thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you're on YouTube, uh, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. If you're getting us on a podcast platform, you know, definitely, I think you could subscribe in some of them. Uh, if you're on Apple, leave us a review it definitely it helps the show i mean all of it anything that any interaction that you guys have with us helps the algorithm get us to more people and as we say before you know we don't ask for any kind of donations or anything like this is a labor of love uh today we are brought to you by us so we are our own sponsors <laughs> on sesame street we're brought to you by the like the letters gc right that's right <laughs> it's brought to you by the letters g and c that's right and the number uh, three Three, number three. That's good. Yeah, that's that's totally true. Um, so you know, this will this will come out a little a couple of days before uh before Christmas, the week before Christmas. So for those of you who are celebrating uh any of the holidays at this particular time, you know, happy holidays for all of y'all. Uh always wishing peace and blessings to you and your families and 
you know, everybody else in your lifetime. We appreciate everybody listening to us this year and, and all the previous years. Um, you know, we, we mark time, not necessarily in calendar years, but on years that we've been doing this show. Um, so it's like, you know, it's like three and a half years for us, but you know, we, we really enjoy doing it. We get a lot out of it and we definitely love the feedback. So if you want to hit us up, uh, gin and tantra at gmail.com hit or leave a comment in the YouTube or, you know, hit us up on Instagram, gin and tantra podcast. We'll take all of it. We take, I, I listen, we, I see everything. I try and respond to everything. So good, bad, or indifferent. No problem. I'm, I'm happy when people are listening. So even if you don't like something, holler at me, let me know, you know, I, I, I always will listen. Uh, I may not act, <laughs> but I'll listen for sure. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, for Eric, this is Daniel. We'll catch y'all in the next one. Peace. I want you to get together. I want you to get Put your hands together one time. I want you to get together. I want you to get together.